Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Nebar, deep across the peak at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taught me, while they while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Friends, I want us to just begin with the picture that, that we're given at the beginning of this psalm in verses 1 and 2. Like the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. As we consider these words, I want us to picture here the very thing that uh, the writer here, most likely David, wants us to do is picture that deer. There's only really two reasons why a deer would ever pant for water, right? Usually deer live within walking distance of whatever water source they usually drink from. The first reason is that there's a drought and that source has dried up. And so there is no water to be drunk. And you and I might think and, and even think on this in those times in our lives when our source was dry, unavailable, and we found ourselves thirsty. The second time that a, a deer might be panting for water is when there's plenty of water available, but because it is being pursued, it cannot stop to even taste a drink. Right? For if it stops, the hunter would catch up. But it also knows in the middle of that that if it doesn't stop, it's going to die anyway. The thirst, the dehydration, it's going to run out of life. David is that hunted deer. And a stop would mean death. Stop would mean um, would mean falling, would mean failing. He's thirsty, and his soul is drained as well. For one reason or another, he is prevented from gathering and being together. See, as we read this, we realize that he's not thirsty for a drink of water, he's thirsty for the Lord. He's thirsty. God, with the people of God, in the house of God. What if we were to think about our own worship in this way? What if we were to contemplate this as we are gathered together, whether or not our being here today is a need that we have, one that would be akin to the drinking of water and the eating of food, one in which we didn't participate if we would find ourselves dying. Friends, I want to consider, I want you to consider what it would be and what it is that keeps you from being in the presence of God, that keeps you from worship. Now, I know for most of us, I guess all of us, in one way or another, the first answer to that is the pandemic. More specifically, the pandemic. 
don't go, um, there are still those who aren't gathered. There are still those who can't gather, those who for health reasons are going to stay hidden for longer, are going to stay quarantined, they're going to stay away. And for them, maybe you know some of them, maybe you are some of them, by the way, we're recording this because the recording didn't work in Wapana. What we need to know is, is that th today's message is not one of conviction for you, but an encouragement, an invitation to longing, longing to be together, longing to, to be gathered, and for us who are gathered, to keep them in mind, longing for us to be with them, to be able to draw them in. So I ask again to you who are here and to those who aren't, what has kept you from worship? Has it been a tiredness, a frustration, a loss, apathy, sin, busyness? What has kept you from worship? And I don't just mean what has kept you from being here, because maybe some of you are here today and you're not really here. You are still being kept from worship, whether because of, of fear or concern or, or because you're thinking about what lunch is going to be or because you're thinking about a parent who is ill or whatever it is, what keeps you from the presence of God with the people of God in the house of God? Today what we're going to do is, is first talk about the need that we have to be together in the presence of God. The second thing we're going to do is talk about what keeps us from that need. And the third thing is the good news. That what you always need to remember is that is that, that every story, every message in scripture ends with good news. And we never want to lose that. And so let us start first with our need. The need to be in the presence of God, with the people of God, in the house of God. Friends, let me ask do you ever consider your need for worship in terms of the words that are used here? Panting after something. Right? I don't have a high respect for panting. Right? That is a, a thing dogs do. It's also a thing yaks do, just so you know, because um, they don't sweat. And so they also pant, and it's very loud. Right? We think of things panting, we don't think of things very high up, but we think of things panting in desperation. Do you think of yourself panting? after the Lord, thirsting as a desperation. Or maybe not those words, maybe instead there's an attitude here. Do you find yourself in this kind of a place where David is, as he's just yearning, needing to be with God, even though he can't be? He says, my tears have been my food. Right? This is not a guy who's doing well. As we read through this, we see three things we need. And remember, this is poetry, right? Uh, we should not read the Psalms as if we were reading one of Paul's letters or one of Jesus' 
die. Verse 3 actually brings up the image of food. Now he's eating his tears. It doesn't sound very appetizing or nutritious. But food is something we need, right? To breathe air, water to drink, and food to eat. And yet what we see here is it's not enough. did 
not understand that what we need is the presence of God with the people of God in the house of God. But the scary thing isn't that they didn't get it. The scary thing is that Christian after Christian after Christian didn't get it either. That what we need, we were being deprived Mizar. 
It means not Jerusalem. Right? It means away. He is not where the rest of the house of God is worshiping. He's away from them. And it hurts. And so he's crying about it. Friends, we often find ourselves away. This week, my wife, in fact, probably by now is on the road to Ohio for somewhere between three and five weeks to go be with her mom who has cancer. She is going to be away. She's going to be away from me, our kids, and the church. But distance does not have to be something that destroys us. For where the people of David, as, as he's mo bemoaning the fact that he's far away, is still pretty hopeful here, isn't he? He's still pretty positive. The trouble is, it's not just distance that often keeps us away. The trouble is, sometimes it's also hardship in life. In verse 7, he says, Deep calls the deep, has roared your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Right? He's looking at this waterfall, maybe, and he's He's thinking about like just being swept up in the rapids over and over again. I've been wet water rafting and gotten the raft stuck in such a place the water just kept tumbling over. It's scary. This is the way life feels a lot of the time. Right? When, when all the things of life, financial issues, health issues, government issues, town issues, um, everything just sort of pummels us. Sometimes that brings us away from the presence of God. It's hard. It is hard to be in his presence sometimes when life gets that complicated. And yet what we often do because of that is we often pull away. Right? We're, I'm having a bad day, so I'm not going to go. Friends, this is the exact place we need to be. We need to be our worst. Along with our best, right? I mean, we don't always just want to come in with our bad days. But when we need God most, that's when we should be here the most. When we need each other the most to encourage and build up and pick us up. So the first we see is the distance. The second thing we see is that overwhelmingness of life. The third we see in verse 9, when we just feel like God is far away. Here's what he says in verse 9. He says, I say to God, my rock, why have you why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. Here David is. He's far away. He's getting attacked in pursuit. His life is overwhelming. But not only that, but he's pretty sure God's abandoned him. He doesn't see God. I mean, he knows God is there. And, and maybe it's like a lot of us. We tend to look around and we think, oh, no, God is working in that person's life, and that person's life, and that person's life, and that person's life, and me. Seems kind of silent. Have you ever been there? I know I have. Whatever prayer you pray, you just wonder if you even heard it or if you even cares. Sometimes it does. And here's where David is in this moment. He's in this moment. He's away, 
know what my usual thought is? Oh, well. I'm the pastor, so I don't miss a lot of things in church. But every time we miss should be a day where we mourn. Because we're losing something, we're missing something, we're missing out on something. Let me just say again to those who aren't here for very valid reasons, this isn't necessarily for you. Right? What I'm saying here is, is, is that you may mourn not being here. That's a good thing. You should, as we mourn you not being here with us. But like the rest of us who are here, we should be, 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 be mourning when we're not. We should be coming to the realization that there is nothing that should keep us from this place on a Sunday morning. Nothing. You ever think about rearranging your vacation so you leave Sunday afternoon and come back on Saturday? So that you don't miss church. That's how I usually arrange my things. Because it's a lot harder for me to miss, like I said. Right? But, but do we miss when we're not here? Do we mourn when we're not here? When we're sick and have to stay home, do we mourn that? Or do we think, I guess it's easier on the couch today. As you answer that question in your own heart, and I want you to, what I want us to see is that we often find ourselves in this place. And the good news, the good news is that that's okay. See, because even David found himself there. I was like when I can identify with David. I like that. Uh, when I think, you know, David, David and I have a lot in common. We did things a lot alike. I skip verse 8. Because I was David at the moment where, where he says, by day the Lord commands the steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I want you to notice this. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. Who's, who's he commanding? He's commanding himself, his own characteristic, his own steadfast love. And at night his song is with me. Right? This isn't something David is doing. David yearns for the presence of God, can't get there himself, so what does God do? comes in him. He comes in, he brings his presence to him. And that's what God does with us too. When we yearn to be in the presence of God, with the people of God, in the house of God, and we can't be, he comes to us. He shows himself to us. He takes on the isolation himself. We see that on the cross, right? What does Jesus say to God as he's dying? He says, why have you forsaken me? Look at these words here. Why have you forgotten me? He came to us so that we would not be away from him. This is the good news. This is the gospel. And in chapter 42, as well as in 43, which Scott's going to be, be covering next week, we see what's called the refrain, right? There's a kind of a chorus that comes back around twice in Psalm 42, once in 43. Let me read uh, verse 11. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Right? He's looking at himself going, why? Why am I so sad? Why am I so in pain? Why am I hurting so much? And then he says, hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Right? He looks at himself and says, why am I upset? God's got this. 
yourself in the presence of God. The good news is that he has no trouble finding himself with you. None. Why he sent his son to be with us when we would never be apart. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Would you pray with me? God, as we come before your word, Lord, I pray that it would humble us. I also pray that it would encourage us and drive us forward. I pray for those who aren't here, who may be listening to this in their own Lord, and I pray that this would, would bring a yearning to those who desperately want to be here but can't. But God, I also pray for those who could be here and aren't. God, that you would speak to them and convict them and show them how much they need to be in your presence with your people in your house. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're coming out If you're not a Christian here today, I invite you to wait until you are ready, until this means something more than just a little bit of juice and a piece of bread. If you are a Christian and you need to wait for the Lord to make something right in your heart, if you're not willing to, to see that yet, that's, that's okay. For those of us who are ready, who want to, to be that, that tangible reminder of what Christ has done for us, this table is open to any who believes. You don't need to be a member, you don't need to be Southern Baptist. So I invite you to come forward, you can take a piece, you can take one, um, and I want to invite you to today um, to go ahead and take this on your own as you do it. So don't wait, or do wait, prepare your own heart. If you come up and you find your own reason, you say, you know what, Lord, I still have sin to confess, then wait, then, then do that. Let this time between you, between you and the Lord, as we do it together and urge each other on. 1 Corinthians 
same thing is true for all of us as we remember what Christ has done for us. So take a minute.